following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. The piece of advice that my former CEO at Lendev uh, gave to me that I really appreciated was like build something that is painkillers, not vitamins. And what he meant by that is if you find something that is like really solving a problem that is super painful for your customers right now, not something that's nice to have, but not must have. If you find a problem like that, like you should go and solve it because people are willing to pay for it. So like we realized shipping is so painful. Um, it's, it's a must have for all e-commerce stores and like no one enjoys solving that problem. Welcome to the Forbes interview. I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Hey everybody. Welcome to the show. Today we have the CEO and founder of a very high flying, hot Silicon Valley startup called Shippo. We have CEO Laura Barron's Wu on the show. Laura, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for the introduction. Um, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll be your, your PR for the day. Um, so not every one of our listeners is a giant tech nerd like I am. So can you just start off explaining um, what you do at Chippo and um, you know why it's been growing so fast? Yeah, of course. I'll take a step back and maybe start explaining like how we came up with the idea because I for sure didn't grow up wanting to be in the shipping space. I also didn't grow up wanting to be an entrepreneur. So like shipping technology is something we really found by pure chance. And um, we stumbled across that idea when I was interning at another Silicon Valley startup um, called LendUp. They do socially responsible payday loans. And on the site, like me and my co-founder, we were trying to build a little e-commerce store just for fun, um, for like weekend and evening activity. And um, what would you sell? We just, we, so my co-founder at that time worked for an NGO and the NGO was like producing and sourcing um, like ethically responsible products from all over the world and like just selling them on their website. And these products were telling a really awesome story. And I'm, I thought like that would be great to build an e-commerce store around, maybe get some wider distribution, tell the mm -hmm. stories of these people. And uh, yeah, so we started building that store. Was it like we clothing using... or was it like clothing or crafts or was it coffee or like what kind of, what kind yeah, of, uh, it was, um, clothing crafts and handbags okay. so like the first product we were going to launch with was um bags and handbags made out of uh recycled billboards coming from south africa hmm. so like pretty yeah just interesting items from all over the world that you can't get that easily in the u.s um and we built that e-commerce store using uh, shopify and shopify has payments powered by stripe we then started selling and realized that shipping is extremely difficult to figure out and that like shipping is very costly, that uh, shipping technologies are provided by shipping providers and shipping providers, given that they're not tech companies, the user experience was just really difficult to understand. They almost want you to be a logistics or a shipping expert to okay. be able to use that technology. 
And that was when we realized like every single e-commerce store out there needs to ship if they're selling a physical product. And if we can't figure it out, probably other people are having that same problem too. And going to the uh, shipping, like going to the USPS or the FedEx store is just not fun at all. So we wanted to be able to like have a really good technology experience, provide that across different shipping providers, um, be able like allowing our customers to compare shipping rates to be always to be able to always get the cheapest shipping options or the best shipping options and then just manage all of that um, in a convenient and flexible way from their homes. And then the other thing that's like really interesting that happened in our favor is that Amazon and Amazon Prime has taught all the end customers to expect free and fast shipping. Yeah. So it's like additional pressure on the small and mid-sized e-commerce stores to be able to offer shipping experiences like that too. So it's um, we have that interesting inflection point in how customers look at shipping, plus the fact that shipping technology was still stuck in the last century, and it provided like a really good starting point for us. And breaking away to say thank you to Amica Insurance, Veridesk, and Rocket Mortgage for their support of our podcast, The Forbes Interview. More about these companies later in the show. Yeah, why is mailing stuff so painful? I have on my, my kitchen table or whatever you want to call it, there's just stuff to be returned with printing labels on it, or there's just... <laughs> I'm trying to find a stamp. Like it's just it's such a yeah. stressful, horrible situation. Um, and the postal yeah. service works, and like it's no problem getting you the junk mail, but getting it out is really hard. Um, <laughs> what is it? Is it a psychological thing, or is it just the system's messed up? Yeah. No. I mean, first of all, the the first problem is that it's it's an offline problem. So e-commerce happens online, and then suddenly you're faced with this offline problem of having to return an item. And then you need a printer. You probably don't have a printer at home. Uh, most of our e-commerce stores are professional, so of course they have printers. But um, then you have to walk to a physical uh, mailing location, either a mailbox or, or a store. Uh, you don't know if you want to ship with USPS, FedEx, DHL. There are all these different options then uh, the technologies they provide are just difficult to navigate and the interfaces aren't as intuitive. So I'd say it's a mix between like people are, are lazy to figure this out um, because they like it's something they do they need to do in the real world. Yeah. And then the shipping companies aren't making it easy for them either. Oh, no. And so to the shipping companies, the UPSs, the FedEx, the Postal Service, whatever, um, do they like you guys because you make it easier? Like you kind of solve the problem for them and at the end of the day, you you they you use their their services right? Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of like a Sherpa for in between the the small business and uh, FedEx. Yeah, that's exactly the point. Like we try to be a partner to the shipping providers as well. Like our goal is to reduce friction to be able to uh, for our customers, the e-commerce stores, to use the existing shipping providers in a better way. We don't do any of the shipping ourselves, so we're not taking business away from the shipping providers. We're just uh, like that technology layer in between helping them, helping our customers use existing shipping providers in a more frictionless manner uh, by like giving them technology that is easier to use, more flexible, more modern, and that's helping them like grow their business. And when you wanted to start this company, what, what what's kind of the first thing you do? Like you're going to jump into a, you know, you're jumping into logistics. I mean, I know you, you come from Germany, so I think everyone just studies logistics there, right? But you, you know, you, you're going to learn this like super kind of wonky, geeky, business that also has yeah. you know literally millions of moving parts how what do you what do you do like how do you when you how do you go from yeah. hey we should start how do you go from pivoting or leaving one company you have to this new one and getting really smart yeah. about the business yeah no that's a great question and i think like 
the most difficult hurdle is just the one about like getting started, uh, leaving your old company, deciding that this is what you want to do. And a lot of like entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs that I talk to are asking like, how do you know that this is the right company to spend your time on or the right idea to spend your time on? And um, like the piece of advice that my former CEO at Lendev uh, gave to me that I really appreciated was like build something that is painkillers, not vitamins. Mm -hmm. And what he meant by that is if you find something that is like really solving a problem that is super painful for your customers right now, not something that's nice to have, but not must have. If you find a problem like that, like you should go and solve it because people are willing to pay for it. So like we realized shipping is so painful. Um, it's, it's a must have for all e-commerce stores and like no one enjoys solving that problem. So we should just, we should spend our time. It's worth spending our time on. That was, that was like what got us to let's, let's start figuring this out. And then, um, so the two of us, we aren't logistics experts, me and my co-founder. Later on, we hired a lot of talent that has been in the logistics or e-commerce space and we're able to now benefit from, from their knowledge. But at the beginning, it was all about learning um, from our customers what kinds of shipping challenges they're facing, starting mm. really with a blank state, talking to as many e-commerce stores as possible. And then with that knowledge in mind, like I thought it was actually a competitive advantage at the beginning because we decided to then build technology from the customer's um, perspective, not around like this is how shipping providers have done it before, or this is these are like standards. We really looked at what are the problems that our cust potential customers are facing, and how can we solve these problems and say yes to solving their problems. So you were kind of free from the like the baggage of like, oh, this is how it's done. You you got to use a clean slate and in a way use the ignorance of how the business works to build something that consumers like. Yes, at the beginning, that was uh, for sure our approach. Um, now. Like as the company grows, you have to be uh, like more more careful about things like that. But we like one of our values is to put our put the customers first and to make sure that we build technologies that are solving customers our customers' problems because they're the ones who are using us. They're the ones who are paying us. Um, so we try to take everything from the customer perspective um, as like the first the first principle. And how do you you mentioned you wanted to be a painkiller. How do how does Shippo take away the pain? Like uh, let's I want a concrete example. Um, well, Forbes. Let's say we we sell we ship magazines, right? What yeah. is what do we face now, and what if we use the Shippo API to you yeah. know what what do you what what is that that drug that kind of makes yeah. everything feel better? Okay, so let's look at it. Let's say Forbes wants to uh, set up their swag store like Forbes t-shirts and mugs and sell that to customers. Um, oh, we, we so should, far Karen, we should do that, man. What do you think? <laughs> should we start a Forbes, the Forbes interview podcast swag store? <laughs> oh, I like that. So let's say you, you start doing that. Probably you'll use um, like an existing storefront provider, maybe Shopify, maybe BigCommerce, Etsy, whatever it is. Uh, the interesting thing is that all of these infrastructure pieces, they're already readily available. You don't have to build your uh, storefront technology from scratch. So you, you get a storefront provider, you start listing your items. That's really your competitive advantage, like making unique items that you can only buy on your e-commerce store. You can't find that on Amazon uh -huh. or, or any other big retailer. And um, then when you like start getting your orders in, um, 
we would automatically import all of your orders and the information from like the to and from addresses, size and weight, everything into our dashboard. So you don't have to type it again, type it in again manually. And then all you do is um, click on get shipping label. We show you different shipping options, whatever it is that you want to offer, like the cheapest, the fastest, the best insured. It's all there and um, you click on buying labels. You can do that one by one or for all your orders at the same time and the label comes out and that's it. And the shipping provider comes to your uh, warehouse, your workshop, wherever you ship out of to pick up all the packages and it's on its way. Then the other interesting thing is like shipping does not stop there. You want to provide your customers with great tracking experiences. So we'll keep the customer updated. That's also something you don't need to think about anymore. We can provide return labels either in the box or as an interface online for the customers to print out. And it's uh, all taken care of. If you want to do international shipping, we would also give you the customs forms. So basically, oh, like okay. we want to be the one-stop shop for everything that's shipping related end-to-end the entire experience from your warehouse to the end customer and all the way back if necessary. What? Um, so how do you guys make money? Yeah, so we charge um, our customers um, either a per transaction fee or a flat fee. And then we collaborate with the shipping providers to negotiate discounts um, with like this kind of scale we have. We're able to access better volume discounts and then get a little margin from the shipping providers as well. I see. So you get a little spread. You get a one-time fee from the buyers and the sell side. You get a little a little spread. Yes, exactly. Um, would you guys ever do with? Um, you know, I know you work at small and medium businesses. Is there any idea, any chance of doing this full consumer and for individuals, or is it not enough volume and just too much work for you? Mm, it's a good question. Um, when we started, the first idea was that this should be for consumers. What we then learned was consumers do this like they don't they don't ship that much. Um, mostly around Christmas or the holidays, but uh, it's really the e-commerce businesses who do the bulk of the shipping, and therefore, like we're we're B two B, we're going after businesses, not after consumers. Interesting. And there's what, a yeah, mm-hmm. there's ahead. a great company called Ship though, Ship with a Y that takes care of the consumer shipping. Oh, okay. Very yeah. similar names. And how did you? So you, you decided to you know go you know leave your company and start this new this new startup was your co-founder with was he working with um with you the other company as well uh no so my co-founder i know him from grad school he is the technical one between the two of us and um like when looking at co-founders i think like you're trying to look for someone that is complementary to uh what you're able to bring to the table so he is more on the on the product engineering side he is a more structured thinker than I am. So we complement each other pretty well on like a variety of skills. He would never want to do what I'm doing. He actually declined. Like he didn't want to be on this podcast. He is not like a podcast person. Most people, but, uh, you know what? Most people decline <laughs> to be on my podcast. So I'm not, that's totally fine. He's with the majority. <laughs> yeah. And I, I cannot do anything that he's doing. So uh, it's a um, pretty good fit. So when you got off the ground, what, did you go out and raise money? Did you kind of try to mm. prove – how did you go from this idea yeah. to um, having a business? Did you have to do kind of uh, proof of concept or were you out there fundraising earlier? Because this is – you know, it's a, it's a capital-intensive mm-hmm. business. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, so we, we did not have any savings because we were right out of grad school. Um, we had to rely on outside capital. Also, the two of us aren't – Americans. Um, so I needed a way to be able to stay in the U.S. 
and we built a little like we built a proof of concept concept product an mvp we uh did that like we oh the, the first part was we used to live in san francisco before we moved mm -hmm. to san jose to save money built okay. a little proof of concept product um mvp to show potential customers started getting a couple of customers like very low volume shippers and then we applied to accelerators um because we wanted to like get in, into the silicon valley network get those introductions um, show that we're a legitimate company and that investors uh, can talk to us or should talk to us and that was our first step we uh, applied to accelerators got into 500 startups and mm -hmm. then during 500 startups we started fundraising and that was like <laughs> pretty terrible uh, process it was it took a very long time the first time around I talked to 125 investors in total to wow. be able to raise roughly i think from 10 or 11 investors in the end there's a lot of like learning improving the pitch um just learning how to interact with investors or talk to investors because uh that's very different from how you normally interact with people and we'll be right back after this quick break it's the new year and lots of us are at least thinking about ways in which we can be happier and healthier maybe we'll take in some yoga cook up better dinners or perhaps try a standing desk like Veridesk. Veridesk turns your desk into a standing desk, so you're more active than sitting all day. Standing more and sitting less can lead to more energy, less back pain, and more productivity. Check out Veridesk risk-free for 30 days with free shipping both ways. See it for yourself at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. Support for the Forbes interview comes from Amica Insurance. We're living in the age of the discerning shopper when savvy consumers increasingly favor brands that value authenticity, ethics, and a great shopping experience. Amica is committed to being a company people trust. Visit meetamica.com slash Forbes and find out why 95% of Amica customers with combined auto and home policies stay with them. One more time, that's meetamica.com slash Forbes to find out more about Amica Insurance. Your co-founder and yourself, you're both um, immigrants. You're from, from Germany. Yeah. How did you end up in San Francisco to begin with? And also, was being kind of uh, not being a citizen, was that a big obstacle in starting a company here in the States? Mm, yeah. So we, I came over... The two of us were both uh, in, an, in our MBA program, and I came over as part of my MBA internship to intern at LendUp. So that was um, just just part of the experience, and we dropped out of the MBA together to be able to build Shippo. Okay. Building like a company here in the U.S., I would say in many ways it was easier to get started. There are very low capital required. Like, Starting a Delaware company, I think it's only $100, something like that. You can do everything online, so it's easy to incorporate. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the lawyers here in Silicon Valley, they give you, like, they don't charge unless you've raised a round, and then they, like, and then they char start charging you, so it's easy to get legal advice. Um, I would say staying in the U.S. was more difficult, and I'm actually still dealing with that. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get my H-1B this year, so now trying to wow. figure out what to do. Um, but like being able to be in this ecosystem that is very supportive and um, like where, where there is a lot of access to capital has for sure helped the company significantly. That blows my mind because you, you've raised almost, what, $40 million, right? Uh, $30 million. You've raised $30 million. How many employees do you have? 
We have 65 right now. So you've created 65 jobs, and you, you're still, like, stressing about staying in the country. It, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I would say, like, I think the H-1B is a lottery. So it was uh, more, uh, like, we, I was able to apply, but then it, it wasn't up to us whether or not I'd get chosen. Do you have a, so do you have a green card now or a visa? How does this work? So I still have um, a visa that is not running out anytime soon. Okay. And then I'm going to reapply for the H-1B and other visa options. Well, also, you should let everyone know that you're, you're also a uh, Forbes Under 30 member. So oh, yeah. that's, Yes. That's, you, you, get a, you get a free passport with that. That's like, you know, above the law. <laughs> I am, I'm actually going to include that in my next application. There yes, you go. That'll just, be helpful. Send, that little, send your, the, the, the little badge you get and you're all, you're all set. I will send them a link to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> they'll, they'll give you a plane ticket fast. Um, in terms of what's what's happening on the valley, um, there's been a lot, it's it's funny. A couple of years ago, the media had their pom poms out, just kind of you know saying Silicon Valley is the future and you know cheering along all the founders. Mm. Now it's kind of turned the other way. What's kind of the vibe? What's the what's happening over there? Yeah, I mean, there. Okay, depends on what you're referring to. I think this year was pretty rocky because of um, the sexual harassment scandals. Yeah that started at Uber um, and then like a lot of things were uncovered that were uh, not that pretty here in yeah. Silicon Valley and pretty like very shameful. So um, that's something that's been top of mind for everyone here. Then um, people still talk about whether or not there is a bubble and whether a bubble will be bursting. That's uh, and I do think that for funding, between seed and A, it's been more difficult to get A funding because mm-hmm. a lot of companies have been able to to get seed funding. Like too many companies have been able to get seed funding, and not all of them reached the requirements that are that are necessary for an A. I but see. then on the positive side, what people are super excited about is, of course, uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin rising. So that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like uh, all like our lunch conversations are all about that. Yeah, no one out there has to work anymore because it doesn't matter if their company succeeds because their bitcoins are up, you know, 20 x. So it's uh, it's all set. Yep. If everyone just took all their funding money and put it into Bitcoin, they'd be all they'd be fine for now. Um, yeah, true. What's happening on the tech side? Like, I mean, it's interesting that you know, a couple of years you, these come in waves, and we're going to get a great innovation wave soon. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not happening now, but you know, a couple of years ago there was all these you know startups that came out of nowhere that were super kind of left field and creative, but also you know, very successful, whether it's in on the consumer side, whether it's an Airbnb mm-hmm. or an Instagram or a Snapchat or even Uber. And you know, those those are super fresh. And now a lot of the innovation, it seems to be coming from, you know, the, the big players. It's the they're getting acquired fast or it's the Facebooks or Microsoft's or Google or Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. doing the, the, the kind of the, the moonshots. Like, is there is that the feel over there, too? Or are there some really cool early stage companies that are doing some pretty wild things? Mm. So I am, unfortunately, I don't see as many early stage companies, but just um, a week or two ago, I attended a portfolio summit by our seed investor and I was able, like one of the companies I saw, I forgot their name, but they're um, renting out satellites. It's AWS for satellites. And I thought that's a pretty wild idea. And anyone, mostly small governments who can't afford their own satellites, they're able to like rent uh, satellites for certain times or like take a look whatever it is that they want and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting we on the e-commerce side um, we see a lot of e-commerce innovation because we're we're shipping for them um, I think 
they're actually like SMBs are thriving. And everyone talks about Amazon growing very fast, and that's mm -hmm. that's of course happening. But at the same time, um, more people than ever are like are buying local, are buying from SMBs. There's that new awareness about that around that. People are looking for products that are unique or that make them stand out, not products that they can buy on Amazon or on, or in Walmart. And um, people are looking for products with a story, something they feel emotionally connected to. Maybe products that are sustainable or or uh special in some way and then they're also like following these products on instagram on social media uh, buying these products from influencers so i think there is there is a like in the commerce and retail space there is a move around a movement around people wanting emotional connections to the mm -hmm. products they buy yeah where you where you sit at, at shippo you kind of have incredible um you, know, you really have your finger on the pulse of of e-commerce and kind of the behavior of consumers in general like especially now as we're going into the the christmas season what, what are mm -hmm. you seeing like is it is this year like a lot are you seeing any different in trends or habits from 2016 to now so uh the big trend that we're seeing is that more people than ever are buying on uh, tablet or mobile devices that's been very big this year and then in terms of shipping expectations people want shipping to be free and very fast i'd say like the expectation around shipping shouldn't be something that uh, customers want to pay for is more established than ever and we see like on-demand shipping options rising um and around christmas people of course are willing like more likely to be willing to pay a little extra to make sure that they are that the items arrive on time i gotcha yeah i've already seen the, the fedex guy my fedex guy in the apartment he looks exhausted <laughs> yes and we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes interview podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask, why? Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to the rate and term in real time? And why can't there be client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers podcast with Jay Moore, Sessions with Randy Jackson, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. 
Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19 ounce pots. See store for details, US only. You mentioned that people, more people are buying on phones and tablets, and obviously that trend's been going up since you know the iPhone came out. Yeah. Um, what does that What does that mean? I mean, like, what's the importance there besides the fact that okay, if you're an e-commerce person or a company, you better have like a really awesome, slick mobile interface. What other things? Yes. What other What other um, kind of um, important information do people get from that? That it's yeah. It, is it but Is it based starting... on Yeah. Is it based on kind of uh, like how much money the people generally like their income bracket or their age group or where they're buying it at you know certain times? Yeah, so a couple of things. I think starting with the with the mobile experience, you, you're making it sound easy, but it's it's not that easy, especially to uh, larger or like older retailers. So yeah. small and mid-sized businesses actually have some sort of edge there because they're likely going to use Shopify or BigCommerce, like another more modern e-commerce solution that has mobile figured out for them. So we're seeing that mobile works especially well for, for SMBs because their uh, mobile experiences are just uh, better optimized, simpler to use. And then um, it's mostly I like what I associate with mobile is people are making buying decisions um, more like they're not sitting down to make buying decisions; they're doing it on the go. Like it's it's a more uh, impromptu buying decision. So it's, and more, that's, it's more impulse, less research. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's quite interesting. It's also correlated with like if it's more an impulse buy, you're likely going to, or the likelihood of wanting to return the item is higher later on. So that goes well with uh, shipping as well. Um, then I would say. It's not just younger people buying more on mobile. It's also the older generation just getting more comfortable with mobile devices and tablet devices. I see. And what are you seeing in terms of returns? Are you always like? Are there a huge amount of returns, or is it always not as much as you think? Um, looking at the volumes of, of this impulse buying. Yeah. So it's hard to say because not of not all of our customers offer the same kinds of return policies. You can also just say like we don't allow returns at all, so the data is a little screwed there. Mm-hmm. But I would say um, we see like returns mostly happens after Christmas, and then we we also see growth on our peer to peer marketplaces. So Ship also powers peer to peer secondhand marketplaces where people post Christmas, like if they can't return it, they uh, go to a marketplace like that to sell their items. Like an so, eBay, eBay kind of thing or Exactly, like an eBay and Macari and offer up uh, marketplaces like that where when you don't have the receipt you can just go there and uh, sell it. So I guess I guess January is the best the best month for eBay for if you're looking for some good deals. Yeah, probably. <laughs> And when you guys are formed, this like I said, this is a complex business. What was kind of the the darkest days for Shippo so far? Oh, God. Kind of the biggest mistakes you've made, or any times like, wow, this is a big mistake. We should have we've we got yeah. over our heads here. Yeah, there a lot. There, there's been a lot of uh, dark days. I would say like running startups is really like a roller coaster ride. You can be from one like one moment to another, one email to another. Your entire world can crash, or like the day is made or the company seems to be made um we like dark moments there's there have been moments when like big customer suddenly churned and it was very unexpected and you don't have a lot of context and suddenly that customer is gone and then you realize like in retro in hindsight you realize we should have had better account management or we should have measured this metric more closely. Like in hindsight, you're 
in hindsight, you're always smarter. I would say um, when I when these dark moments happen to us, I try to take a step back and look at the bigger picture because normally like these are just small puzzle pieces and maybe a year from now or like even sooner, uh, good things wouldn't have happened if this dark moment didn't happen. Yeah, I was going to ask, like you, you mentioned, you know, the startup roller coaster. How, mm-hmm. like, what, what tricks or just habits you do to kind of make sure you're not getting, you know, you're, you're not getting, you're getting thrown mentally or physically from yeah. from the these kind of gyrations? Is it yeah, basically look at, look at every, you know, not every, like you say, it's a puzzle piece. Like you lose a big account, but it's not the end of the world. Kind of th- that, that kind of super long term thinking. Uh, yes. So you for sure have to train yourself to think. Uh, more long term, um, and especially if you're able to afford that after a new round of financing, then I like I have an executive coach um, to help me think through some of these things and take on or like face new challenges, like being a manager or a manager of managers. Uh-huh. Then I have like there are some some like you have to schedule time to be able to take care of yourself, like going running, working out, meditation, whatever it is that you need to do in order to be happy and healthy. Like you have to make time for that. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's one more thing. Um, I would say like in these, in these dark moments, there is like, it is easy to like confuse your identity or your self-worth with the company worth. Mm. And um, especially here in Silicon Valley where it's this kind of echo chamber where everyone asks you like, how much money have you raised for your investors? How many employees you have? You easily confuse like, like Laura being just Laura, the CEO of Shippo. In fact, like I have a whole lot of other things going on as well that, that make me who I am. And I think it's like one big learning was to take a step back and remember like Shippo and the company is just part of my success, but it's not like defining who I am entirely. Yeah. Cause otherwise you, it's all just like a big scoreboard instead of like, Oh, it's Laura. She, you know, she's, she raised 30 million, blah, blah, blah. You yeah. kind of have that almost a, a price tag on you in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But you also love shipping. That's a whole another thing. It's a whole other <laughs> dynamic of you. You mentioned taking taking care of you know every entrepreneur and everyone should you know find time to take care of themselves. Do you find do you do something every day and is it what 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 kind of what's your your thing? Mm-hmm. So I go I try to go running three to four times a week and what has helped me with that is like u- using one of these apps like Strava or something similar to track uh-huh. it. Then I like I'm a competitive person, so I get really competitive around improving the time there, making sure that people see that I do work out three to five. To- uh, three to four times a week um, and like looking at other friends and what they're doing then I have just recently started meditating um, still like trying to figure that out it's incredibly difficult yeah but yeah I use right now I just use normal music maybe I'll add a meditation app to it later on but it's been it's been interesting and a lot of um, other founder friends tell me it's helped them enormously and their ability to focus to be able to um, act from a more like rational perspective versus just uh, impulse reactions. Um, and then I do enjoy reading. So I try to like have an hour before bedtime that is just reserved for reading. And it doesn't always have to be like nonfiction and business books, mm-hmm. like sci-fi books and fun books are perfectly fine too. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, I have two young kids, so I try to at least change four to five diapers a day. That's my, my routine. <laughs> 
that keeps everything in perspective. Um, and I want to go back to something you mentioned. You know, we mentioned Silicon Valley and um, kind of that that you know really sad wave of you know sexual harassment that's going on mm-hmm. even before these kind of even before the Ubers and even before other things. You know, in the last couple of years, there's been talk about just kind of the you know gender imbalance and equality. How has your experience been? Because you know you are a, a female CEO in like a, a enterprise tech company, which is a, you know un- unfortunately it's a kind of a rare thing. What's your mm-hmm. experience been like between you know finding clients, between finding investors, and hiring you know really good people? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. In the B two B space or in the SaaS space. Uh, female founders are even uh, more difficult to find than in the consumer tech space. So uh, like what that means is many times at CEO dinners when it's around B2B or enterprise, I'm the only female in the room and that is that does feel a little weird and awkward. Yeah. Um, for like there are a couple of things like I really care about what we do internally and I'll start with that. So internally making sure that we have an environment where we're able to attract really good female talent. Our VPN is female, and that's pretty rare yeah. um, on the engineering leadership side. And having panels where uh, the the candidates are being interviewed by a diverse set of interviewers, not just by by male interviewers, um, making sure that you have benefits and like just just a work environment where where women are uh, where women enjoy to work. Like that means. Uh, good maternity leave policies, um, making sure that people are aware that they don't like interrupt women in in work meetings, um, allowing women to to, to speak up. So um, I'm that that's something I am really conscious about, and like really try to to foster an environment where uh, like female tech workers like enjoy coming to work. And I uh-huh. think that's something that every every founder can do and should do, like really building cultures that are good for for uh, women in tech and like i i am like passionate about that because i wouldn't have been able to start this company if i didn't have another job in this tech in this in the tech space already so like being able to work at lendev uh was really my way to come to silicon valley and like um get be become a part of the network and like see how awesome it is here um, so I think like creating that sort of environment is important. People probably will not become like founders right out of school, but like start a job in Silicon Valley and then eventually become founders later on. Um, then when I um, like go out and pitch, I do think, especially in later rounds of financing, it's it's all about the numbers. Yeah. And I like there I try to back things, everything I say up with numbers. I think. For me, it's been a little more difficult to say like fluffy or bullshitty stuff around like we're disrupting things or we're, we're a billion dollar company without like having the actual numbers to back it up. Mm-hmm. And um, that's so I, I like I get my confidence from from the numbers we're able to to present. Um, I try to like under promise and over deliver that like is something that comes more natural to me. And then hmm, I think the best thing female founders can do is to like be the role models of the next generation. I do worry that uh, with the scandals, because, like that, that these kinds of scandals were deter women from entering the space because they're hearing all these terrible things. And I love that, for instance, the Citrix founder is such a great, great role model for mm-hmm. other women founders to uh, look up to. 
and do you men- do you mentor other other founders, whether they're men or women, or, or and do you get together with other women founders in the valley to, as kind of a community support group and just give advice to each other? Yeah, we do that. <laughs> I have a standing dinner with a couple of uh, female founders every month where we get together and uh, talk about work. Sometimes we don't talk about work, but it's great to have that community. And then uh, through the YC and the 500 Startups Network, I get to know a lot of founders, male and female as well. Yeah, because I mean, as a, as a woman founder, you've overcome a ton of obstacles that other people might not have to face. Um, and a lot of challenges, and you, you said before, especially in B two B, there's not m- many um, people in your position. Is that also an opportunity now that kind of the whole everyone knows it's such a problem? It's been such a problem in the past. Like by being a standout, is that I, I feel like this might be a very interesting opportunity for you at the same time now. Yeah, I mean it, it depends. Our not that it's not that it's easy, mm-hmm. but I feel like the I feel like the the scales are maybe beginning yeah. to get fair. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'd say like our customers, um, they don't really care if I'm male or female. They just want to use a really good product that helps them with shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the on the marketing and on the PR side, that's for sure an advantage because people are more uh, like looking for for that type of story. And it's, mm, I would say, it is like people. There is a lot of new awareness around that and. Also, like male investors, male founder friends have been coming to me to ask like how they can make a difference to make sure that it's not just like the responsibility is not just on women founders, mm-hmm. but that everyone here in this space can help make the playing field more uh, gender balanced. Mm. You mentioned investors. You guys just did a big raise, what, $20 million? Yeah, we raised $20 million from Bessemer um, and just announced around last month. Great. And, and obviously these days, you know... Th- it's if you have a good idea, it's easy to get money. Money, in some weird way, is a commodity, um, and people <laughs> like you are picking, you know, investors for other things as well. Uh, whether it's yeah. whether it's you know culture fit or ex or um, expertise or just networks and stuff. Yeah. When you chose this last round, like what were this like what were the sort of um, uh, you know attributes you looked for, and why did you choose Bessemer? And also, you said that, you know the first round you you know you, you interviewed. Uh, uh, 150 times to get you know to get 10 checks was it the other mm-hmm. way around now were you turning down people this time yeah kind of so that's <laughs> i love this question because a lot of founders um like don't realize that at some point they'll be in a position of like more power as well and they mm-hmm. should do due diligence of like before they take any money investors um, are like employees but you can't really fire them so you're stuck with that investor forever mm-hmm. and when i say they're like employees like they are supposed to do things for you as well. And you should like take a look at what they're able to bring to the table and also do a lot of like reference checks and also back channel reference checks around like, how does this investor behave when things aren't going that well? Mm-hmm. Because everyone is going to be uh, nice and friendly if your company's going very fast. But as we know, like it's a roller coaster ride, there will be ups and downs and how, like, I think it's, it's important to understand how these people are going to react in a time where you really need them because uh, things aren't going well. So we, that's what we did um, on the reference side for like every investor that we've taken on board, like mm-hmm. calling up, asking for references, but then also calling up other founders that we know they've worked with and especially looking at companies that have failed. And on the experience side, um, 
we were looking for people to like this time Bessemer and Jeremy Levine from Bessemer. He has phenomenal experience mm -hmm. around um, Shopify and SMB e-commerce merchants um, from from Shopify. So we wanted that that experience. We wanted someone from the e-commerce space to complement Albert Wenger from USV, who was more on the uh, API side and uh -huh. product side, given his Twilio experience. So yeah, our line of thinking, like to to sum that up, like. The, the round of financing, the Series A from from USV, we wanted someone who really understands API and the product very well because we were still investing heavily like just in the infrastructure and making sure that this scales. And then um, for the Series B, we wanted someone who understands the e-commerce space really well. And given uh, Jeremy's experience in e-commerce on the Shopify board, that is just a great uh, person to bring on our board as well. Uh, so you just finished a big round, which takes a lot of time, and we're in the holiday season, which is your definitely biggest time for the company. Yep. What is well, that is great to have the round done. What are you looking forward to now? Like, what, what's the plan for Shippo now? Like, you have the crazy season now, and then it's gonna be a brand new year. What are you um, really focused on, and what are you excited for in the next year or two? Yeah. So the themes there, there are a couple of uh, themes that I'm excited about. One, I really want this to be a global business, so a thin and broad layer that spans the shipping industry globally. So no matter where customers are, I want them to be able to connect to our technology and send their packages to no matter where their customers are. That, like, I do believe that uh, e-commerce does not know any geographical boundaries and that e-commerce is, is going to become more and more global. So when you see something online, you don't necessarily know if that item is based here or in Germany or in France. You just want to be able to buy it and we want to be able to power all of that okay. um then so that's one thing the other thing is um around shipping as a competitive advantage that means that customers look at shipping at checkout when making the purchasing decision and when they see something that is um that they like but then shipping is too expensive mm -hmm. or the shipping option does not fit their needs they uh, or it costs the, more than it costs more than the actual product Yes, exactly. <laughs> then they, they close the window and go buy somewhere else. And we want to be able to help our customers grow their businesses by providing shipping options to their customers that uh, will help them convert more business. So that's the other theme I'm excited about. Huh. Um, and then last but not least, it's like, of course, building like a really great organization. It's not just about building product. It's about having uh, the right team, the right culture, and making sure that internally we're all aligned as well. Yeah, I know. Thank you for all the time. I have a quick. Qu I just want to, if you have time, one more question. Like, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you know you you were an MBA and then you worked at a startup and you left that. Um, you dropped out of school and, and the startup yeah. to found Shippo, and now you have sixty five yeah. employees. So you've really never had a boss, so to speak. So how are you a boss of this company, uh, or how did you learn yeah. the skills to be a manager when you've really never had a manager yourself? Yeah, honestly, that's been the most difficult challenge for me, uh, managing people, learning how to like motivate people. And for that, the executive coach has been phenomenal. Um, yeah, actually, two things. So first of all, I, I hire managers, people who've done it before to lead the, their departments. So we have VPs for all the important departments. They've like been doing this for 10 to 15 years. So I'm able to work with very experienced managers um, who make it easy for me and then learn from them. And then at the same time, I have an executive coach together with my co-founder, and he then helps me problem solve or like think through challenges like how to give feedback without triggering fight or flight. 
um, how to motivate people when everyone reacts differently, like how to be a leader while still like while still being authentic. Like what are the qualities that that uh, make me a good leader without having to stretch my thin myself too thin? So yeah, it's the, it's that combination. Wow. Well, this is great. Uh, well, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Thank and you. I'm excited to announce that Shippo is soon going to be the shipping provider of the Forbes interview swag store. <laughs> what do you think, right? If anyone yep. out there wants, to, if anyone listening wants a T-shirt, send an email. Maybe we'll get something going. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so I want to thank Laura Barons Wu, the CEO and founder of Shippo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Podcast One remembers broadcasting legend Dick Enberg. A hearty welcome to Steve Kerr. What a thrill to have listened to you all these years. He's basketball Hall of Famer John Calipari. You uh, still have a great voice of all time. Tennis Hall of Famer Billie Jean King. I just hope everyone listening understands what an icon you are. He's my all-American friend Bill Walton. Dick Enberg, I love you. Listen to his amazing stories and his final interviews on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg Podcast. Only on Podcast One or the Podcast One app. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.